Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. What up, what up, what up? It's the Media Corner on the Inside OU Podcast on Monday, 1.30 in the P, uh, because Eddie Radosovich is here from Soonerscoop.com, 107.7 The Franchise Morning Show, uh, the U40, Unofficial 40 Podcast, which if you're listening to the Inside OU Podcast, you probably listen to the uh, Unofficial 40 Podcast. I don't know. There's too. a lot of people that don't like us, so sometimes maybe not. There's a lot of people that don't like <laughs> really anybody. Especially I know. After, especially after OU loses. <laughs> It's a different world after an OU loss. And I, I guess the good thing for Oklahoma fans, they don't have to experience it like a whole lot. But more specifically, the way that they lost on Saturday, you can definitely say that you've experienced that before because it seems like it happens once a year. Oh, yeah. And even if you're just tweeting something obvious like Kansas State converts their third down, it's just a whole <laughs> bunch of f- you, Eddie. <laughs> I know. You Brady. I know. It's like, a, it, and I think that, you know. It's a good thing. It's like that's the way people cope with it. There's a passion for it, obviously, but um, and you thank, know. thankful for it because if there was no passion, we would not have jobs. Sure, like I and as much as like I like to shit on the the fans, it's like and I don't like to shit on the fans, but I, sometimes I do. It's like they're a reason that I have this job. So like there is a give, pull, and take, and it's all in love. So yes, yeah, send all your fucks and shits to Eddie Radosovich. I can deal and, with that uh, and, and me because I mean. I'm right there with you. If on they Saturday. send it to me, I'll just CC you on everything else. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think 48 hours after the the what the fuckness, right? Uh, on Saturday, um, I don't where, know where I, even where do you even yeah, begin? I, I, I don't know because look, obviously COVID has put a gigantic monkey wrench sure. into this season. Sure, I don't know how much of this loss is just shame on us for basically just kind of rinsing and repeating mm-hmm. with OU football in that. Yeah, it's like it's Lincoln Riley, it's Oklahoma. The talent speaks for itself. Sure. The defense has made strides. There's there's still question marks across the board, but we're going to give them the gigantic benefit of the doubt. And then you throw in the factor of Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. Yeah. And OU, albeit they played a high school team, uh, then had a bye week to prepare for Kansas State, but they looked, you know, they they looked much cleaner as a team than some teams did across the country playing similar no doubt. Know, bad teams. No doubt. And so we kind of go into the Kansas State game thinking, and I like Keegan Renault and I like hyped it up for like two weeks. Kansas State is bad. Yeah, their offensive line in particular is awful. And then for two and a half quarters, Eddie, it looked great. And I said on our post game show on Saturday night, I know this is a little weird. I don't want to blame the defense for this game because they set the table for the OU blowout. The offense just failed. So like my initial question to you is it is it shame on us for just kind of glossing over the fact that OU is starting an inexperienced Redshirt freshman at quarterback who hasn't played in a while. Um, a lot of some patchwork on the offensive line. And then a bunch of receivers who are talented but have not proven to be the next in line from DD to from Sterling Shepard to DD, uh, Marquise Brown, CD, um, CD Lamb. Like there's just a bunch of talent, but it hasn't been exactly exposed yet. Sure. And, you know, I, I, I guess just as a whole, you say, you know, you're up by three touchdowns with 249 left. And there's a lot of people that, I mean, 98.9% of people or 99.8% of people would think that you win the game. Yep. And I, I just think that like all of the bad that came out of Saturday, it was emphasized even more so when you turn the ball over four times, when you can't pick up a fourth and one, when you get a punt blocked. Like those are stuff like 
you play Kansas, you might have a trouble winning that game because of all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're, they're also, like you said, Brady, they're in a position now where you're going to have to grow with Spencer Rattler. And there was a lot to like from Rattler. I mean, you look at his numbers, I think he was like 30 for 41, almost threw for 390 yards, yeah. four touchdowns. But at the same time, he turned the ball over three times. And Seth McGowan fumbled, a true freshman. Uh, you know, you're you're asking a lot to, reca- to, to recover from those, uh, you know, turnovers or missteps in, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, giving up big plays, giving up plays over 70 yards, uh, not being able to get pressure on the quarterback, which, you know, was just in, in a way shocking uh, that they weren't able to generate any type of pass rush. The only type of uh, pressure Skylar Thompson was really under all day was a Deshaun White blitz. And I think those are the biggest problems when you kind of look at what happened on Saturday, not to mention that just as a whole, when Oklahoma got hit in the mouth, when they faced adversity, they folded. And I think that that is probably the most concerning thing. And that's kind of what Todd and I talked about uh, Monday morning was the fact that, like, if you're going to do that, like, usually in, in the last couple of years when Oklahoma's been able to recover from a loss, they've had good leadership. They've had guys that have been able to step up and say, you know, we got to get this turned around right now. And I think that they have some guys down there, but I don't know how much their their voice really carries right now considering – you know, Spencer Rattler's making his first road start this weekend. A, uh, uh, you know, Perry on Winfrey's been with the program for, you know, five months, and he was really nowhere to be to be found on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, do Deshaun White and Brian Osamoa's voice carry the same weight as uh, a Kenneth Murray over the last couple of years? Of course not. They haven't really done a whole lot on Saturdays. And, you know, Alex Grinch almost like, I don't know if you thought about this, but I, I thought about this on, uh, I guess, Sunday night. It was just the fact that, like, I think almost like in a way Alex Grinch was like foreshadowing when he talked about like being able to go out on Saturdays and create some leadership, create guys that you can depend on. They have to make plays on Saturday and they just didn't do that on uh, for the, you know, for the for the big parts they did, I thought, on Saturday. But there was a point where it just it didn't come together and you give up five plays and all of a sudden Kansas State's back in the game. And uh, I don't know if they like wanted it more, but. It almost seemed yeah. like Kansas State wanted to more. Like, just look at the, the the way that the two sidelines interacted. It, it was a Kansas State team that once they got hope, once they got back into the game, it was like that pop on Seth McGowan as the ball fell out. You could feel the deflation on the Oklahoma sideline and then almost a sense of uh, of hope and a sense of, uh, of grasping at something on the Kansas State sideline. It's like basketball. It's like when a team goes on a run, uh, it takes the other team out of it a little bit. Exactly. And like – I guess after I just kind of told you, like, I don't want to pin the blame that much blame on the de- um, on the defense for the loss. I, I guess let's just go right to the defense because yeah, they, I mean, they, they I mean, gave up five big plays, five big plays. Uh, they're up 20, 28 to seven, six and a half to go in the third quarter. And then they get outscored 31 to seven. So obviously sure. the defense has problems. Oh, but yeah. We talked about this on the post game show. Um, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this, because I really feel like this Kansas State loss is it, it paints a perfect picture of what OU's defense is. They're a defense that on the surface, and you can look at that in a few ways, I would like to see it as like on the surface with their starters mm-hmm. because Alex Grinch is a guy who likes to rotate a sure. lot. But on the surface, they've got guys that can at least get the job done for the first part of the game, so it opens the door for OU's offense to blow it wide open. So like 
all the factors were, were there. Like we saw multiple three and outs. Yep. We saw a lot of pressure on Skylar Thompson. Maybe not a lot of sacks, but a lot of pressure. Yeah, they were um, at least moving him out of the pocket and he yeah. was having to make plays. Guys were gang tackling. There was a lot, like especially like a guy like Deshaun White, Brian Asmo, I thought they looked really fast on mm-hmm. the field against better uh, a better step up in competition than Missouri State. And then the offense starts turning the ball over, starts to stagnate, and then the defense starts to show what it overall is which is the depth isn't there. The depth isn't going to be there last year. It's not going to be there this year. It's not probably not going to be there next year either. You know, you get rid of Mike Stoops uh, two seasons ago now, but the fingerprints of that recruiting from the Mike Stoops regime is going to be felt for oh, no a, a few more years. Yeah. And so when OU has to rely on depth and they get into kind of a shooting match late in the game, you can win when you've got Baker, Kyler, and even Jalen Hurts because they're no guys that have been there. No doubt. When you've got Spencer Rattler, like I just don't think that OU under Lincoln Riley this season with Spencer at quarterback, I don't know if they can just simply feel like, okay, like the offense will just switch it back on because we've been there before. Like this this group hasn't been there before. So sure. the defense has to step up, but I don't I don't know if they have the guys to do it. Yeah, and you know, I, I it's it's like which angle do you want to take it? Do you want to take it from the defensive side or you know, they've been They've been saved so many times by their offense just as far as being able to run the ball, being able to keep the ball in the fourth quarter and not give the ball back to the opposition. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to run the ball. I think there was like the 3.7 was the number for the overall game. But you look at the last two quarters and or the second half, and I think they were averaging like 2.9 a game, which, you know, we'll, we can, I'm sure we can talk about the offensive line. But it, it just – the defense, it they gave up big plays – I don't know. I'm somewhere caught in between because I thought that they were turning a corner. I thought you were getting a little bit better play. Like, I thought Deller and Turner Yale played really well on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, there there's just instances where they it was have, best have game, complete. I thought, I thought the was, first quarter or the first yeah. half, I thought, like, I thought Buki, he looked great. They, he made a couple tackles right at the yardage markers. Like, he knew where he was on the field. He finished there was a tackles. Lot of, there was a lot of positives to be taken out yeah. of it. But then again, it's just – you're left wanting more and you know for a team that is um you know and of course it'll come up after a loss like this but when you lose the turnover battle like they did and you know obviously that's a lot of those turnovers are on Rattler or on McGowan or whoever but their inability to make impact plays is just it's very concerning for especially a defense that is now you know almost a year and a half into the Alex Grinch system I know they didn't get a spring I don't think that that is much of an excuse nobody else got a spring yeah so it just it, it's concerning am I sitting here on you know Monday afternoon though after a, after an OU loss thinking like you know they need to fire Alex Grinch no I, I'm not there but is it concerning that they seemingly took you know a massive step back against an offense that let's be honest struggled against Arkansas State like yes that is very concerning and um, you know, Isaiah Thomas, I, I thought that, you know, after the first game and the way that Alex Grinch and that group talked about him, I thought he could be a guy. And I still think that he could. They just didn't play very well on Saturday. And, you know, I guess that's going to happen to a certain extent. But it's almost like everything that had to happen happened. And not only did it happen, but it happened at the most inopportune time. Yeah, well, the the thing is, like, when OU loses, it seems like we always say something, like a version. I know, of, like, for a fa- in the third quarter, wrong. in the third quarter, you had to have thought, though, like, and I thought it, the first time I thought it was after the Seth McGowan fumble, is like, they're going to lose this game. Oh, I thought so, too. The, the <laughs> Every fumble, OU fan yeah. knows that, too. Yeah. It's like, there are certain parts, it's like a, uh, and Teddy even said it this morning, but there's like a blueprint for watching <laughs> Oklahoma football 
and you check off all these boxes and it's like, yeah, that's not good. They're yeah. going to lose this game. Here's your Brady obscure pool like from OU history like to that effect because like, what was it, 2010 in College Station, the Von Miller game. Mm-hmm. OU starts off the game, snap over the head, yeah. safety. And yeah. I'm like, I was watching that with my dad. We we're like, yeah, we're f- yeah, yeah like, <laughs> there's like there's just there's some games and they usually as Teddy pointed out this morning, they usually have something to do with a special teams gaffe, whether it be a blocked punt, which was the first one since 2013 uh, or, you know, a couple missed field goals or even last year up in Manhattan with the uh, pooch punt that Oklahoma didn't uh, recover. Go back all the way to the Rose Bowl against Georgia with the uh, the uh, the the squib kick before halftime. It's like there are little like telltale signs of when Oklahoma's going to lose a football game and. Sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah, special teams gaffes, uh, missed tackles, uh, an offense that you're dominating, but they give up four or five big plays. You put it in the oven for 400 degrees, yeah. you know, for 20 minutes, and you get a loss. Yeah. So that's that's basically how you beat OU. But um, I guess one more thing on the defense because you kind of touched on it, and I, this is what the next step is. Now, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't, it might not even happen next year. It, it, like you achieve this next step. By getting the guys, because what OU has right now are a bunch of guys that can do what Alex Grinch tells them to Mm do very well, but not for the entire game because they're just simply not there. And you talk about guys like DTY, Patrick Fields, Trey Brown, guys that can do their jobs, but only long enough to allow the offense to like, please extend the lead. Please extend the lead so we can kind of relax because we're not not all conference players. Let's be honest. They brought Justin Harrington in to start this year, and he gets hurt. He tears the ACL. Like the first day that he's, well, I guess they said it happened before, but that's neither here nor there. It just, they brought in guys that they thought were going to win jobs, and, you know, Justin Harrington obviously didn't. Uh, I think that they feel, they, you talk to people inside the program, they thought Trey Brown was going to have a good year. He hasn't been good in the first two weeks. Oh he wasn't good on Saturday. He, he wasn't good against Missouri State. No. And he that's wasn't. concerning. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I, I think in a way, like you look at what, uh, you know, is Woody Washington going to make that full transition to cornerback? I like he played a little bit of cornerback on Saturday. Uh, you know, I think that the good thing is they do have some guys down there, and it's going to be interesting how many more opportunities they get now once it upticks now with Iowa State coming in. Like, how? Where do you turn to? Do you start giving a guy like uh, you know maybe a Bryson Washington more of an opportunity if if it's proven that the other guys out there? can't get it done and you know in a way I, I'm not I hate to like just pick on these college kids but like Patrick Fields is a captain and I didn't think he played very well on Saturday so yeah uh it's uh kind of a microcosm of what you said earlier as far as you know the drop-off and what they were doing from the recruiting standpoint over you know even 2015 ish 2016 to now and it's really starting to kind of uh be you know I guess emphasized even more that they need playmakers in the defensive secondary. And, you know, they do have four guys that are – it's like uh, the uh, Jalil Farouk kid commits last night or on Sunday night, and uh, it's like, well, can he play defensive back? It's like they have four guys that are committed right now. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be a matter of time before they can get them in there, and that's certainly not going to help here in 2020. Exactly. And, like, that's the next step. Is, like, I, I, I like what they have as far as a future or a vision for what Alex Grinch wants. Sure. you got to start doing it, though. Like – at what point do you go from talking about it two games into year two and all of a sudden you look up and it's year four and you're still doing the same thing? Yeah, and like that's the next step is just getting guys that can make Absolutely. plays to kind of counterbalance the fact what like when it starts to snowball, mm-hmm. you've got a guy that can just step up and maybe like you know, it's cliche. This is what the play is telling me to do. Mm-hmm. 
but I know the play is going to go this direction, so I'm going to go there and try and make a play. Sure. And it, all it took was, you know, OU could have had four turnovers like they did and, and a fumble by Spencer Rattler that you know he was able to recover, but it still certainly p- starts to build some momentum for Kansas State in terms of their defense humming. No doubt. Um, all it took was one guy on OU's defense to just be a playmaker and get an interception or something like that. Just get a turnover. Get something that and it probably comes won back OU your the way, confidence-wise. Probably would have won OU the sure. game. Sure. You know they would have won by the skin of their teeth, but that's that's the next step. For but that's what and that's what they've kind of done for the last three years, is it not? Yeah. Well, you know? and therein kind of comes into the the player that I've kind of been the most frustrated with over the last two seasons, and it's Trey Brown. Yeah. And you talked about it. Um, we talked about it on this podcast. Uh, I you mentioned it on, on the radio a handful of times after Missouri State. Look, he got. He did not have a good day, and it, it goes well beyond the fact that he dropped that gimme interception. Sure. He got burned on a few plays, but Missouri State just wasn't good enough to expose it. Yeah. And everyone's going to point to, against Kansas State, that third and 18, and Keegan was real questionable about why are you running press coverage on third and 18. Sure. Um, Trey Brown was beat because of one of his many problems. He's not overtly physical. He's undersized and small, and all that guy did was just kind of do a move on him, There's push so him much out of the way, speed can do. and then ran right past him. Sure. And Trey Brown is supposed to be that guy. And if he's not going to make even a half a step in terms of his development above of what he's been, then I think you're just going to expect a lot of the same. And it's going to be just dependent on Spencer Rattler to grow the hell up yeah. so quickly and, and win these shootouts because OU's not going to have a defense or a, a guy on defense that can make a play like that. And I think that's what's so disappointing about the situation is just that I think that you thought that they were going to get like, you know, and he he could still have a really good year but like a guy like a Nick Benito I thought you thought was going to be a guy that would be in the backfield all year and he had a couple pressures on Saturday I think he had a sack against uh, Missouri State as well but I mean other than that you just you, I think that what they do up front will make those guys back in life so much better yeah. or so much easier and you just don't see the I don't know if it's development or I don't know if they just didn't have a they had a bad day which very well could be the case but uh, you need guys like Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Thomas, Perrion Winfrey, uh, Joshua Ellison. Like those guys have to be better up front to give themselves a, more of an opportunity on the backside. And like you said, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't pretty to get down and uh, give up a third, and, a touchdown on a third and eighteen when you could easily get it off the field. And you know, who knows if that happens? What happens? Maybe, maybe the boat races on from there. But uh, there were plays that Kansas State was able to execute, and credit to them that got them back in the football game. And I think that that is why you found, uh, you know, Oklahoma kind of clenching their ass cheeks in the uh, <laughs> fourth quarter because I there was, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but there wasn't a whole lot of confidence there in the fourth quarter, even when you're up 35-21, that OU is going to be able to ice this game. You had felt the momentum change uh, because of the turnovers, because of the big plays that uh, Oklahoma allowed offense or defensively. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why you found yourself in that position. And I, that's kind of one of the themes that is coming out today, or at least it was on the teleconference this morning, was just the fact that it's kind of a, uh, I guess, a pattern in a way. Oklahoma got up by 21 last year against Iowa State and basically had to come up with a couple game-saving plays late in the fourth quarter or you know, in overtime to get out of there with a win. And the same thing happened against Tech a couple years ago. Oh, geez. That's... I just don't know, like, I don't, it's so, like, 
I don't think it's as simple as just putting teams away, but I almost feel like it is so simple. And then the fourth quarter, you're going to just have to live with some of the, the mistakes. Uh, you know, the last interception that Rattler threw in, granted, you know, there's 49 seconds left with no timeouts. You're not you're, – you're basically asking themselves to do something that, you know, wasn't going to get done. Exactly. Like, I, I don't think there was anybody that thought that was going to get done, but that kind of goes back to, like, the, the decision to punt with uh, with a one timeout left and three minutes left. So, yeah, I understand where he's coming from on that. It's just like – If OU was going to win that game, it was, gonna be, it was going to be because they went for it on fourth down, converted, and, yeah. and then scored a touchdown. Well, and even with that said, before the before the, you have to even make that decision – Rattler scrambles out to the fifty yard line, and it gets called back because of a hold. Because of hold. one of a, one of numerous holds. I think in the like the the last five possessions, what it go? Fumble, punt, punt block, punt, interception. Yeah, six penalties for forty nine yards or something like that. Rattler was like four for twelve in the fourth quarter. And Kansas State still had like what one hundred and thirty, hundred forty yards. Yeah, of penalty yards. Oh yeah, no, and that's the thing. It's like you you would think like after walking out of that game is like. Oklahoma had 15 penalties, but in reality, they had nine penalties. Like I think Kansas State had timing. 10 penalties. Like Kansas State, the worst, most inopportune holders. times yeah. of all time. <laughs> I, I felt like in the third and fourth quarter, Oklahoma was in first and twenty the entire the entire half. Yeah, it felt like. I mean, look, I guess we can transition to the offense before I get you out of here, Eddie. Because like to me, like Spencer Rattler, I've kind of come back down. Like I wasn't, I wasn't overboard with like Spencer Rattler lost OU this game, sure. but. I kind of left that game being concerned that, look, two of his interceptions really didn't matter in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things because I don't think Kansas State scored off of both of those first half interceptions. They scored off the first one, I guess. No, uh, I mean the second one. The excuse second me, ones. the second one. Second one. Second one. Yeah, but they're still up. They're still up three scores. Yeah, um, that didn't that didn't have any effect to what happened at you know from two forty nine in the third yeah. quarter on. The only effect it had is it you know the way OU's offense was going, if they score a touchdown on sure. one of the, at least one of those drives, sure. they are probably too far ahead for Kansas State to come back from. No doubt. They, that, would, they would have run out of time. That's why uh, you know Lincoln said it after the game. He said it on the coaches' show on Sunday night just as far as you go into halftime up 21-7. to You had outgained them 288-98. to and You felt like, yeah. like we should, they should be up by three touchdowns. They should be up by maybe four touchdowns if, if you're playing your cards right. And it just I think that, you know, to that certain extent, too, that like the two interceptions, you know, the first one you can live with it. get it, The ball got tipped, whatever that that's going to happen occasionally. Uh, it shouldn't happen a lot, but it's going to happen. And you look at like, what did that do to his psyche? Because they're, you know, in the third and fourth quarter, I thought that he held on to the ball a couple times too late. And was that because he didn't want to turn the ball over? And I think that's the kind of learning stuff that Oklahoma fans and, you know, Lincoln Riley in a way hasn't been through here over the last couple of years, learning from those mistakes as a true freshman or as a, as a redshirt freshman. And I don't know. It's just, it, it, it was just an awkward, awkward day. Yeah. And like the, you can put any kind of blame that you want on Spencer Rattler, but like if Oklahoma can't run the ball, which is basically the, the straw that stirs the drink for Lincoln Riley offensively. Like if they can't run the ball, they're f-ed. like there's, there's going to be major, major problem. Like if they can't run the ball in Ames, I don't know how they're going to win. They need Ramondre Stevenson back. So yeah. Bad because yeah. Well, they need Ramondre Stevenson and they need, uh, they need all three of them. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges and Ronnie Perkins. Obviously Ronnie Perkins is the best player on the field. If they have him out there on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. It, it's a shame because like, I, I think 
you know, with Lincoln kind of going away from the the running running the ball sure. late in the second half, I, like I think most of it was just kind of attributed to well, my best back just had the most crucial turnover of the game, yeah. And then T.J. Pledger, you know, he showed some thing. He showed he showed me a lot more than what I thought before Kansas State. Yeah, he 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 showed me enough that like I think they have something there. Mm-hmm. I think he can be a serviceable be- a serviceable back. But let's be honest, I think that if you know Ramondre Stevenson with healthy Ramondre Stevenson is getting almost every carry. Yeah. I guess my last thing for you, Eddie, is just um, we can go either offensive line or wide receiver, but I, I want to go to wide receiver just because yeah. who exactly is the guy this year? And I, I think shame on everybody for just assuming Rambo would be the guy. Mm-hmm. I never bought into the Rambo's just going to be the next in line of CeeDee Lamb. I thought if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Theo Weiss. And I was heavy on the Marvin Mims train. Sure. Like I loved his take coming out yeah, of high school. There's a lot to lie. Um, at the same time, though, you know, my buddies brought this up in my little group chat on Twitter. Do you think Spencer Rattler's a little bit more hesitant to throw to outside receivers? Because to me, Theo East just hasn't gotten enough opportunity for me to go one way or another on him. Sure. And, you know, I, I thought that what they did with, you know, getting Rattler out of the pocket and they were hitting Weiss for those, you know, 10, 11 yard gains out on the on the outside. I liked what what's there. They haven't necessarily opened it up to the point where you can let Theo East go and Let's be honest. The, the best wide receiver on the team is Jaden Hazelwood. If he's healthy, he's the yeah. best wide receiver on the team. Uh, and, you know, you say that did they get away from the run game? Well, Lincoln Riley would probably tell you, like, those little screen games are part of their – as an extension of their run game. But Please stop throwing that to Rambo then. Is Charleston Rambo the guy to do that? Like <laughs> He's the I Alex just, Ross of wide receivers. That's that's a pretty good comparison. <laughs> I I mean, I think Rambo's a good kid. I, I I'm not trying to hit on him, but it just – I don't know. I don't know about that, man. Yeah, it's just the he, ability. He's, like, he's not Marquise Brown. He's not D.D. Westbrook. He's not Sterling Shepard. He makes the offense better when he's put into the positions to show off his his ability. Sure. His ability is not running sideways. No, it's not. I mean, he has... Uh, it's just bad play. He doesn't call. have that's the footwork. Bad. He doesn't yeah. have the footwork like Marquise Brown. Yeah. I think that's probably the nicest way to put it. Yeah, that's true, too. Who does? That's true, too. But it, it you're there's, there's, there's something to be desired there. And I don't know what the answer is. Like... I mean, I would extort the shit out of the H-back room. I, I don't know You're if you can to. just, like, throw Austin Stogner and Braden Willis the ball all day. Jeremiah Hall had probably the best catch of the day for the touchdown. But, uh, you know, they're young. It's a deep group. But who's going to be the guy that makes a difference when it comes time to make a play in Ames or in the Cotton Bowl or in Bedlam or, you know, whenever? Like, shit, last Saturday against Kansas State, they didn't really have that guy. So I think that with time – Spencer Rattler is going to be fine. Like I, when you look at the list of problems that Oklahoma had on Saturday, I think Spencer Rattler somewhere in like the the lower five to ten range rather than the five through one range. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be you're going to have to grow from it. He's going to have to, uh, you know, obviously learn from the mistakes and maybe change his hairstyle. Definitely, <laughs> definitely change his hairstyle. That is, that is so bad. But that was the first sign, like when the, the I know that should have sent like on the sideline. Like <laughs> I think they were up fourteen nothing, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's not good. I don't know about that. It's Ugh. not good. Uh, but you know, I'm. It's disappointing. Oklahoma, you know, you never want to be uh, the laughing stock of the country, which they are. You know, right now, obviously, and and lose as a four touchdown favorite. For their, uh, or at least uh, you know, lose as a uh, at least a twenty plus point favor for what the ninth time uh, since two thousand nine. So uh, I guess it's good that they've been in that position, but it's almost inexcusable 
how they've lost some of these games and to the teams that they've lost to. It's not like they're going out and getting beat by, uh, you know, the second or third place team in the league. It's usually the fourth, fifth, or sixth team. So yeah, no kidding. I, I just don't know what the answer is. I'm definitely not in the, uh, the burn it down mode, but I do think that, and we talked about this a little bit on the U40, it's a little bit of a look in the mirror moment for Lincoln Riley. I think that, you know, there's some things, and uh, he said as much this morning on the teleconference that, they're going to have to it's, – it's certainly when you give up the leads that they've given up and you keep teams in games that they've, they've kept in games, it's, it's somewhat of a culture problem and it needs to be addressed or they're going to continue finding themselves in these spots and all of a sudden you look up and uh, OU runs off a 7-4, and 7-3 and or 6-4, and 7-3 and three this year and, and shit really hits the fan. <laughs> Yikes. Eddie, <laughs> thank you, man. You bet. Absolutely. When are the Thunder going to hire a coach? Oh God, I don't want to. Pre- uh, I don't want to even think about what. Did I just send you in like PTSD uh, thunder. They'll figure something out when I'm busy and doing something at the time. Sure, because I like when it'll they- be on a sat. It'll be a- OU's going to name a uh, Thunderhead coach on the day of OU Texas. Watch. <laughs> it's like ah, sorry, I've got I've got <laughs> other other things to do, but um, we'll see. I, I hope I hope they figure something out. I have my I have my options in mind, but I'm sure yeah. Sam was going to hire someone that we've never heard of or. Somebody already on staff that's going to totally underwhelm the fans. I just base. want to be able to Google the guy's name. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> just give me somebody that I can at least read a Wikipedia. Not page someone of. from Europe. Not- yeah, probably not. I, I don't know. I think it'd be fun to see Bill Self, but that's just me trying to tear everything down. <laughs> well, he needs to run from the FBI. So I know that'd be a perfect place. Time to come home. Oh, you rebound against Iowa State real quick. I think they will. I think they will. Uh, I, I'm not going to push the panic button until about 11:30 on Saturday night. If they go up there and have a repeat performance of what we saw on Saturday, uh, and you all of a sudden are one and two heading into the Cotton Bowl, you can push as many panic, but panic buttons as you want. But I think like maybe it was just an anomaly. Maybe everything just happened in a perfect sequence that ended with Oklahoma getting beat 38-35. But I still think that they have some good football players down there. Like, obviously, that's not really breaking any news. I think that they're going to uh, clean it up. Don't turn the ball over four or slash six times. And, you know, that game kind of, uh, I think, has a different life of its own. But, uh, you know, to to say that there weren't some concerning points, specifically with Oklahoma's offensive and defensive line, if, if they can't figure things out up front, it could be a long year. And what a long year. What What would that entail? I'm almost too scared to think about it. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, no thanks, kidding. Thanks, Eddie. You bet.